Blog Talk Radio. Well, welcome to show 5.14. And uh, what that represents, this is season 5. This is show 14. And what we're going to do today is we're going to cover the best practices of conducting market intelligence. The focus of the show is for business owners and entrepreneurs um, in terms of what they should be doing to understand what's going on in the marketplace. And this is a two-part series. Today, we're going to build a general model for how to look at the market. And then tomorrow, we're going to drill down on the economic factors. But before I start, I'd like to welcome you to Business Growth Radio, uh, Solutions on Demand. I'm William Eastman, Managing Partner for GrowthWorks Media and Program Director for IBGR, which is Internet Business Growth Radio. Uh, we also run a terrestrial radio station out of Richmond, Virginia, on uh, WNTW, 820 AM uh, or 92.7 FM. And we are on at 9.06 every Friday, live Fridays, and we're recorded on Saturdays. You can listen to any one of our shows or access the podcast by going to our website, which is growthradio.biz, growthradio.biz. And when you get there, um, podcast, and that will give you all the latest shows. Also, if you take a look at programming, it'll give you our schedule, which the show is included in. And if you go over to resources, um, then you'll find uh, our show notes and various materials that you can use to get involved with the show. So let me get back to the premise of today's show now that you've got the background. And again, I heartily recommend that if you haven't gone to our website, it would be a good place to be especially critical for tomorrow's show. That's growthradio.biz, growthradio.biz. Okay, so one of the things that I think is essential to any small business growth, and for those of you who are not long-term listeners to this or any of our other stations, our YouTube channel, et cetera, um, is let me give you a little bit of the background. Uh, We are a small business consulting firm. Doesn't mean we're small, but we focus on companies under 10 million, Our sweet spot is between about three and five. Uh, We have clients that are as small as $200,000 a year. And what our goal is to help those companies grow. The mission of the GrowthWorks company um, itself, not just the media channel, but all the other elements of our business, is to create generational wealth for the business owner and their family so that they can create good jobs in the local economy. Because one of the things that we look at, the difference between rich and poor, not just in the United States, but any place you go around the world, is that the people that are poor are poor because there is no generational wealth. In other words, every generation has to create wealth onto itself, proposition, as opposed to leaving your children better off than you are, and they're leaving their children better off. And then suddenly there is wealth in the family that can help with education, housing, starting businesses, et cetera. And so I do a lot of, I did a lot of economic development work uh, for the United Nations uh, Development Programs, UNDP. And what I recognize from doing this around the world, and there's no difference in the United States, is that without generational wealth, it's incredibly difficult for people to do it in one generation. It can be done, it has been done, but why? That's the whole question here, why? Why do it? Why not have some base to build on? And if you're a business entrepreneur, business owner, um, the reason you got into business is you had a dream to create something. Uh, Not only did you have the dream that you didn't want to have anybody else sign your payroll checks or make other uh, have other people make you do what you don't want to do. uh, 
but you also, it, you were going to create something unique, something for you, something for the family and something for your customers. And so to me, um, starting a business and growing a company is as much like art as painting or music or sculpting because it doesn't exist until you create it. And so the focus of everything that we do at GrowthWorks, as well as what we do on our media channels, is to provide business owners and entrepreneurs, and I'll mix the two up. I don't see a whole lot of difference. Uh, if you're a small business, you've got to be entrepreneurial. Um, the idea behind this is what do you need to know in order to make your company perform, given the resources you already have? Then two, how do I make it more profitable? And then number three, how do I take a look at the long term and what do I need to do to renew the company? But all that starts with market intelligence. So what I'm going to cover in today's show is what is the best practices of companies that do market intelligence. And I'm not talking about doing anything really extensive. I'm not talking about paying for it. Of course, you could um, because it's something that we do for our clients. You know, but this is basically taking a couple hours every week, making yourself take a couple hours every week. And if that's on Saturday morning, that's fine to take a look at what's going on around you and saying, number one is what are the opportunities and threats in the environment around me that are going to influence the business? And on the threat side, how do I mitigate or make those go away? And on the opportunities, what do I need to do to take advantage of it? So if I'm scanning the horizon and I'm looking out there, where do I look? And so I've used, and I did a lot of strategic consulting with the Fortune 500. My track record is I did 25 years in corporate consulting, and I'm one month shy now of 15 years doing small business. So what I did in large corporations, we'd go out there and we would build for them what we would call a strategic landscape or a strategic canvas. And there are lots of different models that you can use, some of them more involved than others. We developed our own only because it's simple. And I like things that are simple. And in fact, the motto of our business internally is build it simple, build it tough. In other words, it always works. You don't, have to, you don't have to have a degree in anything to make it work. And it always works. So I broke this down and I come up with an acronym called RESZ. R-E-S-Z. R-E-S-Z. So let's take those four. One of the first things I'm going to take a look at is the R, which is regulatory. Um, now, I could call this government, but I had I was trying to come up with s some set of letters that you could pronounce that had a, a vowel to in them. And so what I want to do is what's going on right now or in the near future? And when I say near future, 12 months in. Um, I don't think we can look further than 12 months out, even though we may be planning two or three years in advance. Those plans are usually not very clear. Uh, why? Because, you know, something that changes two months from now can have a huge impact two years from now. So I'm looking at the next 12 months. What's going on at the federal, state, and local level, whether it's laws or regulations, that will impact, number one, let's look at it this way, your industry. What are they doing, and in my case, I live in Virginia, what are they doing in Richmond? If you live in New York, what are they doing in Albany? If you live in Missouri, what are they doing in Jefferson City? If you live in California, what are they doing in Sacramento? If you live in Florida, what are they doing in Tallahassee? In other words, what's going on there that's going to have an impact on your business? And I wouldn't, re I wouldn't recommend hiring a lobbyist, but I think it's really smart for you to know who your state representative is uh, for the area that your business is located in 
and just reaching out on an occasional basis to people who work there, a staff member. You don't need to talk to the, the assemblyman or the representative or whatever term that they have. Of course, you could do it this at the federal level, but I'm focusing on the state and it applies there. And find out what legislation is coming down the road that affects your industry. Okay, that's one. And they're happy to tell you that. You're not called to argue. You're not called. You're not calling them a lobby. You're not calling for anything other than what laws are they looking at right now that may get passed that affect you, and what are you going to do about it? That's also true about your customers. Is what's going on here? at the federal and state level that may affect who your perfect customer is. And one of the requirements you have to do this, and when we, when we talk about branding, we go into this in great detail, who is the perfect customer? What's the perfect customer? Uh, what's that mean? It is somebody for whom your organization can service and make very happy at your price point you got today with minimum friction in your system. In other words, you don't have to do anything special. You just do what you designed the company to do. And in fact, It'll work. And so I want to know what's going to affect the customers because part of this is going to be what's going to affect the buying decisions. You know, so uh, some examples of this is at the federal level, about 10 years ago, we put in incentives to buy hybrid cars. And so hybrids were incredibly expensive, probably as much as eight to $10,000 more than a normal car. One of the reasons for that was technology. The second reason for it was the fact that you didn't build any. And when you're, if you produce something, if you're in the manufacturing business or in the business of making things, you know typically the more you make, the lower the price can get until you reach some point where that's not true anymore. So the idea behind this incentive was to, in fact, help the manufacturers test out these new vehicles and get enough volume to bring the price down. But in the meantime, you'd get a tax benefit. So a customer who was going to say only spend twenty dollars to $25,000 on a car could go out and buy a hybrid like, say, a Chevrolet Bolt and get the additional dollars, the additional $8,000 it would cost to buy one. They could be incentivized to do that. So that has an impact on their buying decision. Now, about a year ago, I believe, that that was rescinded or it uh, wasn't it uh, sunset and it was not re renewed. So now suddenly, if you're in a hybrid business, you have an issue. And that is, there is no more incentive for people to buy it. And so that's what I mean by looking at the regulatory, the federal, state, and local, and finding out what are they doing and what impact is it going to have on your industry, which means you. But it also means your competitors. Because if, and, and I, I mean this in the best way possible, a lot of small business owners are totally unaware of some of these things that are going on. And what happens is when they find out, it's usually after the fact and they get surprised. They violated a rule. They violated a regulation. Or if you're ahead of this and you know what's going to happen, it may not make you happy. Uh, it may not be something that's going to make your job easier. But if you know about it before your competitors, then you can adjust to it. And when they find out, it could be that when they get into hot water and get bad press or bad PR, as well as now they're catching up to you. And so the beauty of this is if you're on top of this, you can make the changes to your company. You can anticipate what the customer is going to do, and you can get ahead of your competitors. The second one is economic. And where is the global national business cycle, and how will it impact your industry and your customers? Now, I'm going to talk a little bit. Of, I'm going to talk at great length, I should say, 
tomorrow, uh, same time, 12.30, on show uh, 5.13, show, uh, season 5, show 15. I'm going to talk about this more in depth. But right now, the way to look at this is that economic cycles or business cycles are like waves. Um, I spent a lot of time at sea working in the marine sciences, so I like this analogy very much. And so when you look at a wave coming, a wave has a face, which is an upside. It has a crest. It has the back of the wave or the downside, and then it has the trough at the very bottom. And, of course, the bigger the waves are, uh, the bigger the slope of these lines are, the more that your ship is going to go up and down, the more radical the movement. But the idea works very well because in the business cycle, which currently in the United States runs at about 10-year intervals, give or take a couple, is that you can see that there is a trough at the base of the wave, there's a face to the wave, there's a crest of the wave, there's a backside of the wave, and of course that takes you to the next trough. And what we learned over the years first from doing this with large corporations and now small businesses, is that there are specific things that you should be doing in each one of those. And so here's the thought I'm going to leave you with, because I don't want to get hit to it too much. Uh, and that is basically, if you look at it, some of these affect your marketing and sales. So if you are at the trough and the wave is approaching, that's the end or the bottom of, a, of an economic cycle. In other words, whether it's been a recession or a depression, a recession, you're at the very bottom. The place to go now is, is to say to yourself, the market's been cleaned out. All of the badly run companies that are my competitors are gone, or most of them are gone. Uh, the ones that are left are just hanging on. And if you follow what we're going to do tomorrow, you'll be doing more than hanging on at the end of a recession. Um, and so also is that there's been a lot of pent-up demand. Purchases that they were going to make that they postponed because they were thinking the same thing you're thinking, especially if they're going to move from cash to credit. Because one of the things that happens in the trough at the very bottom of the recession is that credit is almost impossible to get. So as we move up here, then the issue becomes what customers do you go after and what's the mix of products and services, new versus old, that you want to use? And what happens as you get to the top of the crest and you begin to see the top of the wave, you know what's going to happen. You know you're going to go down. So what's happened here in the face, the way to look at it is how much revenue can I generate over that period of time? And not only how much revenue, but how, how can I affect the margins of that revenue so that I can be like a squirrel right before it, uh, fall comes and I start putting away all these nuts so that when things get bad, I've got something to fall back on. And then on the other side is all about cash flow management, price discounts, uh, and things of that nature. And we have a model that says that there are basically uh, six steps that you go through in this cycle to anticipate where we are. Now, I'll give away a little bit of next week's, uh, tomorrow's show to say, if you ask me where we are right now, my guess is that we are at approaching a crest. Um, and so I'll tell you what my advice would be. And then next week, uh, tomorrow, it's going to make a lot more sense. I keep saying next week because I'm used to being radio live on Fridays. And so right now, as the market is continuing to at least go up, even though it's slowing down, you say to yourself, 
how do I maximize my current revenue and margin without making any more investments? In other words, I'm not going to buy more equipment. I'm not going to get more people. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to try to put together expensive uh, marketing campaigns. I'm not going to look at developing new stuff. My focus is going to be in the accounts that I have, what percentage of that accounts do I own? In other words, if they are buying a certain set of services from me, am I the only one uh, that they're buying from or are they buying competitive service from everybody else? And what I want to do is I want to focus on that right now. In other words, I want to make sure that I sweep up whatever remaining dollars are on the table. And then what happens as we go at the top, I shift my focus uh, from increasing revenue and margins to cash flow management. But I'll leave that for tomorrow's show. So that's number two. Number three is scientific. Now I could put tech, technological here, but it, it didn't. It couldn't. I couldn't spell it. And so scientific is what's going on in technology um, that is going to affect your business or your customers. And again, I, I focus not on your business solely. You need to focus on your industry because this wave, when it comes through, is going to impact everybody. Every, every one of your competitors are going to be dealing with the same issues you deal with. So I want to look at it from the standpoint of the industry to say, okay, now what is my response? And the more that I can do that ahead of the competition, uh, the better I'm going to be positioned to take advantage of the economy, let's say, or of the new technology. And so, for example, um, if you look at what's going on online, is the whole movement is mobile. I've noticed uh, on our website in the last two years, we used to have about 70% of our hits on our websites from desktop and only about 30% from mobile. It's reversed. And right now today, uh, most of our hits on our websites are, are coming from mobile devices. Well, have you configured the website? And I, I'm not talking about the frame uh, where you stick the words, but as that thing opens up, given the fact that you get very limited landscape on the screen, are, are the things that you want to show up first showing up first, or do they have to scroll through? Because if, you, if you've got, if, whether you're doing your website yourself or you've hired somebody to do this, uh, that you pretty much know that if you don't grab them in five to 10 seconds, they're moving on. And so then the, really the question then becomes for you is how do I, um, you know, in this case, how do I make sure that when it, my website opens up on a mobile device, the first thing they see is what they were looking for and I can get them to stay there longer, you know, the old concept of sticky. And so that's just one example. Um, I, I would say that if you're not a member of a trade association, you ought to consider this. Um, if, if there's no trade association that fits your industry, then this may be a pretty good reason to join the Chamber of Commerce. Um, and the reason for that is they, can, they do a lot of research. And so part of your membership is getting that research from them so that you can review it, so you can look at it and go, okay, I, I see what's happening here. And you got people to talk to. I think one of the, uh, the the challenges, and I'll talk about Chambers of Commerce here shortly, um, is that I'm not sure going to the chamber is going to get you any more business. Uh, I've worked with several chambers in Canada and more than a dozen chambers in the United States. And I've come to the conclusion that if you're a small business owner and you go to the chamber for money, for revenue, for sales, 
uh, you're probably wasting your time. Go to them for what they can do for you. And in this particular case, they're a great research organ. They're a great place to gather research. The other place that I would recommend is for you to go to the Kauffman Foundation. Uh, the Kauffman Foundation is the largest and most esteemed uh, entrepreneurial research uh, foundation institute group in the world. They're headquartered in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, and that they do a lot of research. So uh, Kauffman would be spelled K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N. And you can take a look at what they're providing, and it's all free. But I, you want to stay on top of the scientific um, uh, challenges, the things that are going on, because they will affect the business. And then the last one is, to me, the most interesting, and that's called the zeitgeist. Um, and, I, and I struggled with what to come up with here in, term, uh, uh, in terms of a term, but the zeitgeist is nothing more than what does the prevailing group think? What is the prevailing things that are going on that becomes part of the, the vocabulary? So, for example, uh, sustainability is part of the zeitgeist right now. And so if you're looking at sustainability, how does sustainability affect your business? Now, I'm going to say to you right now is that I'm not talking about this from a political sense. You know, a lot of people that are involved uh, with businesses that have carbon footprints are here. So I'm not going to say to you that global warming is real or it isn't real. It's immaterial. And that's the point I'm raising by bringing that up is that if majority of people think something is true, unless it's immoral and unethical, you got to say to yourself, okay, if they are shopping on that term, then what do I, how do I take advantage of that? So for example, a lot of our clients at GrowthWorks uh, are in the landscaping industry. And so what you see is a whole movement here of they're moving away from gas-powered engines. Now, this is a technological advance as well, but predominantly what you're selling to people is all of our trucks run on propane. All of our motorized advice, uh, devices, lawnmowers and, large, and larger, larger weed eaters, um, are operating on propane. The smaller stuff is operating off of batteries. So what we're selling to the, what my clients are selling to their, to their clients is the fact that they are totally uh, sustainable and they've got a low carbon footprint and that's given them a competitive advantage over other people in the industry who aren't doing this. And when you do this, one of the interesting dynamics is that you force your uh, competitors to change. You force them to do what you are doing. And so let me go back through those and then give you a couple other examples. So it's res R for regulatory E for economic S for scientific and Z for zeitgeist and regulatory is what is the government doing affect your industry and your customers? Cause I always want to think about how is this going to affect the buying decisions with customers? The second one E is economic and what is going on in the business cycle right now that tells you, uh, gives you an indication of where we are in the cycle. And therefore, by knowing that, what are the smart business decisions that I need to make? Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to be caught off guard. You actually want to get in front of this and build a business that it doesn't matter what the economy does, because you know what to do. Yeah, in hard times, it gets hard. But it didn't get that hard for you because you've already made the changes. You've already anticipated what changes need to be made to the business. 
scientific, which is huge right now, is technology is changing everything about how we do how we do business. I mean, most most of the things you see on online nowadays are all based on some sort of AI or artificial intelligence, uh, search engines, and they're nothing more than expert systems. Somebody just sat down and said, if then else, if this, then it becomes that. If it's not that, then what's the else? And then you do if then else again and again and again and again. And so you have millions of lines of code to take you out. So this started off from talking to experts, people who knew how to do it. And what we did is we put their brain into code. So looking at those scientific advantages, because more than likely what it means is it's going to change how customers make buying decisions, how customers interact with you, how you develop your products and services, and how you deal with your clients. Uh, and then one other example I'll give you here is that we've moved from a consulting model where we had to show up on site with our clients uh, to a totally um, technological platform base. And so, for example, we now use Slack. Everything we do with our clients is based on Slack. And so I, I can talk to every one of my clients uh, continuously all day. And because of the way that Slack was designed, it's a great operating system for consultants. Um, it's a great operating system, period. But for us, it works very well because we can embed everything else we're doing, whether it's um, Google Docs, Google uh, Charts, um, our CRM system, our project management system. Everything that we do is integrated into Slack and customers can get exactly what they want, when they want it, and basically they get solutions on demand. I couldn't have done this five years ago. And 10 years ago, when we were looking at this, um, we couldn't afford to build it, it was too expensive. And then the zeitgeist, that's an interesting one. And the way you get on top of zeitgeist, I think, would be to look at trends. Um, you just take a look at, um, if, if you're using Google as your search engine, now take a look at what trends are coming up on, and what, which one of those trends do you impact you or do you impact or in some way you can talk to. So, for example, if there's a, a subject that's trending that is somewhat, com somewhat compatible to your company or business, then maybe what you ought to be doing is on the, the blog page on your website, and you better have a blog page on your website. If you don't, here's a piece of advice. Do it now. Get it done for you. But if you write an article that uses those search terms, somebody will find it, and you'll get them to your website, which is what's the objective behind any website is to get somebody there and reading it, and hopefully they go beyond reading and they, they start interacting with it. So there we are. Uh, the res model, it works really well. Um, I've used it. I use it on my own business. I use it on clients. And we've developed this over the last 15 years to be much simpler than some of the other ones that we used. And so what I want you to visualize is nothing more than drawing a picture. You got your company and it's surrounded. And so one arrow coming in is regulatory. List on there. Get a sheet of paper out and list all the things that are happening at the federal, state, and local level that are going to affect your industry your company, your competitors, and your customers. Then draw a second arrow in going economics. Where are we in the wave and what can I predict as next and what do I need to do? And tomorrow's show, we're going to cover that. The third arrow coming in is scientific and list all the things on technology that is affecting the industry, your company, your competitors, and your customers. And then finally on the zeitgeist, what is the prevailing uh, group think that's going on right now with your buying public? 
and Google Trends is a good place to get that. And you just make that listing and you look at it and suddenly I now have the landscape that says where we take the business over the next 12 months is going to be based upon uh, those factors there. And so it may amplify a decision. It may negate a decision. You may be looking at, well, do we do X? Well, I look at this strategic map or the strategic canvas and I go, X doesn't make any sense in this environment. We're going to be basically trying to sail upwind as opposed to if we do Y, we're going to have the wind at our back and it's going to be a whole lot easier and we're going to get a better bang for, for our investment dollar, whether that investment is equipment, people uh, going into new markets, uh, marketing, sales, etc. All right. So with that, I appreciate you listening to today's show. This is show 5.14 on the best practices of market intelligence and what's our model for building a strategic landscape. And just to give you a quick overview of tomorrow, talking about the the cycles, um, the six steps or the six runs, rungs of the ladder up and down that you go through in a business cycle and what becomes the key thing as the business owner and entrepreneur you need to do. And if you want, you can download this ahead of time. If you go to our website, growthradio.biz, that is growthradio.biz. And let me just go there so I get it absolutely right. At the top of the page, you'll see resources, click resources, and then you come down, you'll see growth work tools, and you'll see downloads. I have two downloads up there. If you want to download the one on measurement, go right ahead. Um, we will talk about that at some point. Uh, the second one says business primer, economic driven initiatives. Download that, and that will get you in preparation for tomorrow's show. So with that, have a great business day. I appreciate you listening, whether you're listening to this live or you're listening to the recorded. Uh, our podcast is available to any time. And this is William Eastman signing out from GrowthWorks Media on our internet, Business Growth Radio, or IBGR. And have a great business day. <laughs>